Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is live in studio with us once again, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I'm doing really, really well. I'm good. Good day good. so far today. And uh, it's always good to see you in the morning. Absolutely. It's always good. You know, boy, we got a lot to talk about this morning. We've got um, just a ton of stuff. And I've got a lot of questions. You want to answer them? <laughs> I can, but I will try. You know. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'd like to continue to list, welcome our longtime listeners uh, from WAVA, as well as our listeners on Sirius XM, Channel 131, uh, nationwide and across the, across the country, border to border and coast to coast, as you like to say, Chris. Yeah. Well, again, it's Open Mic Saturday, and we like to always start the show off with you know a little bit of economic commentary, market commentary. And then just open up the phone lines and get this thing rolling. Um, I've had a lot of questions pour in this week. I've got a bunch of them to go over today. We just we did a uh, sort of an up-to-date webinar yesterday for, for a lot of our clients all across the country. We're going to be doing more of these market update commentaries in the weeks to come, uh, as well as our, our weekly market newsletter that we send out. You can go to our website, LarryRosenthal.com. And sign up for our newsletter, and we send out a mark a weekly market update of what's happening. So, what is happening, Chris? Right? What's going on in the markets? What's going on in, with inflation? The Fed, corporate earnings, the whole nine yards, the invasion in Ukraine, everything. Let's take a look at all this and sort of break it down real quick. First of all, we have we have two issues facing the the market these days. We have inflation, and then we have the invasion in Ukraine. Right. So, so how does this play out? We just pray that it just stops very soon. That are not a. You also don't have to deal with property taxes. Not such an economic issue uh, to our markets, and you know we'll just leave it at that because the the, we don't know where it's going to go, how if it will get spread further or not. 
And um, you saw the reaction of the market this week when Russia did invade. <clears throat> you know, the, the market's been under pressure the last several weeks with the rumors of this invasion, with all this kind of stuff. And then finally the event hits and the market rebounds and bounces up because it's an old adage on Wall Street. Wall Street wants clarity of direction, right? So how does that relate? How does that affect in, in a combination of our markets, our economy, right now, not down the road and around the corner, but just basically right now. And the way things are playing out now is with this interruption in geopolitical issues across the globe there, it it focuses back on the Federal Reserve. You know, we're having inflation in our in our economy right now, definitely, and the Fed is all set to start raising interest rates. Uh, next month. You know, they meet March 15th and 16th and probably will announce on the 16th uh, a rate hike. They should, actually. And the question has always been over the last several weeks, how much of a rate hike are we going to get? Because when the Fed starts to raise interest rates, it slows down the economy. Their objective, again, is to slow down the economy enough to stop inflation from continuing to rise but at the same time, not slow us down enough that sort of tilts us over into a recession. And that's what the objectives are here. So with the issues going on in Eastern Europe now, the Fed is sort of sitting back and going, well, wait a second here. Maybe we shouldn't raise rates as aggressively in the beginning. So a lot of people were talking about 50 basis points, 75, 100 basis points. Now most people are talking about 25 basis points as far as a raise goes. That's going to bode better for stocks. So how do I how do I sort of quantify a basis points in a raise for me, Larry? I mean, is there how many basis points does it take to get a good raise on on my salary? <laughs> well, that's a good question. We're, I don't we're know. Live on the radio now, so be careful live how you answer. Live on the radio, yes, Chris. You always get raises every year. That's right. That's good right. deal. Good deal. <laughs> yep. Yep. So let me ask you this qu question, Chris. <laughs> If inflation does come down, and we know it will come down again, right, okay, it's either going to come down naturally when supply equals demand at le equilibrium points in the economy, or the Fed's going to tighten the economy and bring inflation down, right? So when inflation starts to come down, and, and anticipation is that it's going to actually come down, and it's going to probably peak around May of this year and then start to bump sideways, kind of like on a, on a plateau, and then start to slide back down. So my question is, if to you, Chris, to, to answer your question, if inflation starts to come back down again, <laughs> do you get a decrease in your raise? That's what no, my no, question is. No, that's not how it works. Is, right? Oh, that's not how no. it works? Okay. Okay, there you go. All right. Hey, everybody, tune in to LarryRosenthal.tv, and you can catch us cutting up here on the radio live on our video streams if you if you want to really see it. But, no, let's get back to some serious talk here. The The – um, uh, once the stock market really starts to see that inflation has peaked and it starts to plateau and then, and then slide down slowly, which will probably be the second half of this year, then the market is going to know that the Fed has sort of a light at the end of its tunnel, that it's not going to continue to raise, raise, raise into perpetuity. And that's what the markets are waiting for patiently. Plus, we're going to get a lot of clarity uh, on March 15th and 16th when the Fed speaks. And that's what the markets are waiting for. So till then, it's still going to be a bumpy ride. It's still going to be a bumpy ride based off of the headlines that are coming out of Eastern Europe as well. 
So, you know, on the good side of things, because there's that's the bad side, on the good side of things, uh, GDP, gross domestic product in the U.S., uh, rose at an annualized rate last year of 7%, which was huge. So, or, or, I'm sorry, the last, qu- last quarter, and that brought the full year of 2021 to 5.7%, the fastest pace of growth since 1984. Uh, the U.S. Department of uh, uh, Commerce, where, where a lot of these numbers come out of, you know, we also saw the Fed's number one primary inflation gauge rose at 5.2% last year, which is slightly more than the estimates of 5.1%. And, and that's PCE, Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, or basically the overall inflation uh, reading. Now, when you take a look at, at some of the other news, we've, and we've got lots of, diff- lots of news all around um, uh, w- w- with this pros and cons of everything in the economy, so far this quarter, so far January, February, we've had 92% of the S&P 500 companies reporting their earnings, and they're blowing the roof off of it. Earnings growth is running at 30.8%, uh, with sales rising almost 16% compared to a year ago. And when you take a look at the number one reason people buy stock to begin with, it, it is based off of the anticipation of future corporate earnings. And we're seeing corporate earnings continue to come in. Now, as quarter by quarter goes on in 2022, 2023, we'll start to see earnings start to go back down to more of a normal type of a pace of, of, of economic expansion in, in the S&P 500 companies. But we're still living off of the opening, the reopening of the economy from COVID-19 issues as well. You know, the consumer is, is uh, very strong right now. With all the stimulus and and things like that, and not spending money for a while, and so that's going to continue. So we're still going to have to get supply chains online, and that's going to take a while to do. So that's why the Fed is. That's one of the main reasons the Fed is really jumping in to really stop, you know, the the, the price increases of of you know everyday goods and services for everyone. So with that being said, you know, there's there's uh, I've got a lot of questions that we've had throughout the week. And I want to sort of jump into all of that, you know, after we take a quick break here. But, you know, hey, listen, let's open up the phone lines. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. 
About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. sound financial advice you can depend on you found the larry rosenthal show call now with your questions 855-767-3123 or stop by larryrosenthal.com this is the larry rosenthal show welcome back to the larry rosenthal show 855-767-3123 855-rose123 to talk to larry rosenthal live here in studio larry chris i was uh digging around in the archives Digging in your archives. Digging in the archives, that's correct. Okay. And I came across a headline on February 3rd, 2018. Wow. February 3rd, 2018. So about four years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The headline read, S&P 500, Dow suffered biggest weekly decline in more than two years. That week, the market fell 1,095 points. Mm. Did it ever come back? Oh, yeah. Yes, it did. And that's my point is this is some of the things I want to talk about because we've gotten a lot of questions on this. And so I'm going to read out some of these questions here that we have. And and 100 percent of the time that the markets have had a pullback, regardless of what the triggering event has been, whether it's bad corporate earnings or inflation or geopolitical issues or whatever it may be, the market has always come back at some point down the road to all time highs again. It's probably going to happen again this time. We just don't know when, right? You know, no, there's no guarantee to it, but history shows that it, that it has happened. But there's no guarantee to it anyway. So with that being said, my, my point is this, is that when you see times of market volatility, and we've got a bunch of questions here I'm going to start reading off and going through these, these, these answers because I just thought, you know, this is just great. I just started compiling these questions from from, from – clients and from friends and from people all week long and i said this is what we're going to talk about this week on the radio show right because if if everybody's asking these questions people must be interested in it right Mm -hmm. and so i want to preface this with you know just four years ago we had one of the biggest declines in the market in more than two years at that particular point you know uh you know the 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 and 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 over a thousand points down in, in in a single week you know, people were panicking. People, you know, it's chicken little, the sky's falling. Isn't well that done. it? You get your emotions involved, and that not that the big problem? That is the big problem. That's one of the things that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. As a matter of fact, I'll jump right into that right now. It, it, you get your emotions involved. When you take a look at, at performance from, from 2001 through 2020, because that's the latest data that we have on this, 
you take a look at all the different sectors in the S&P, real estate, tech, financials, you know, consumer staples, blah, 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 all the different 11 sectors of the S&P 500, and you combine them all into the S&P 500 from 2001 to 2020, the S&P 500 did 7.5% return. Wow. And during that same period of time, the average investor did 2.9%. Because they got kind of upset and jumped Wait in and jumped second. out. Wait a second, yeah. How yeah. can that be? If you just stayed invested, you would have had 7.5%. It's actually 7.49, but 7.5%. And the average investor ended up with 2.9%. But and isn't again, there, isn't there a time to get out, though? Isn't there a time that you're, you need to hedge your bets and say, I'm done with that? Because, you know. So if, you're, if, if the market pulls back and you pull out and you say, I'm done. Not completely, not completely. But when are you going to get back in? Yeah, you don't know when, right? Because you're going to get back in when you feel better. And when you feel better, the market's higher and more stable. Mm-hmm. You've incurred that loss. Gotcha. You'll never make it up. You see, see what I mean? And we'll talk more about that in a second. Let's bring on Debbie from Georgia. Good morning, Debbie. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. How can I help you? Um, my husband and I are 60 and 65, and neither of us are working. He is what we would call officially retired. And I was in medicine, and it's no fun anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. So neither of us are working. We are living on his Social Security and some investment income. We've got a portfolio of probably 800000 to a million if you include some real estate, but not all of it. But the what we have invested is around $750,000. Um, made hardly anything last year, and, you know, it's very frustrating. But... We decided to – we found a little house that we decided we were going to flip. So worst house on the best block. So we're in the middle of this flip. And I'm hoping if all continues to go as well as it is that we should clear between eighty and 100000 on it. Um, I cannot get my accountant to call me back and wondered about the capital gains tax. If we reinvest in another property um, – it's my understanding that that decreases the tax burden significantly. Well, if you reinvest in another property, you can do what's called a 1031 Starker exchange, where you, you sell this property and you buy a like kind. It's a like kind exchange, and there's no taxes on that at all. Okay. Okay, so, so you can go from property to property over time. You just keep deferring, deferring, ultimately one day when you sell it out and cat, and then put the cash in your pocket then you have to square up with taxes. Okay. But, you know, something, right, something, I, you, something you said, Debbie, on, a, on another note, you said you talked about your investment portfolio, and you said you hardly made anything last year. Correct. Last year was one of the – a very, very strong year in the market. So I would, I would ask, you know, what were you invested in and why? Um, last year – Well, the, we the, have – I have a friend who does investments, and I have let him manage it. So he's got us very diversified but very safe because of our age. So if we have another account um, that we inherited that has about 100000 in it, I think, and we did very, very well on that. So um, we are about to move everything to that investor instead of my friend, which is going to be difficult, but it is what it is. 
Well, Debbie, here's 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 some some thoughts. I don't know your situation, um, <clears throat> but you want to make sure that you're not chasing returns that have already splashed on the shore last year. You got to count A that didn't do well. You got to count B that did very well last year, and now you want to move everything over there. You need to make sure that when you move things over there, that your investments are aligned with your objectives and today's current economic environment. You don't want to try and chase last year's market. It's like a surfer trying okay. to chase a wave that's already crested and headed to the shore. You end up doing a nosedive, okay? okay? Um, so be, be careful with that. And, and let me just say this to you. <clears throat> At your age, maybe you're going to go back to work, maybe not. But, but at 60 and 65, you need money when you're 75, 85, and 95. But you also have right. to have your money in a position today that's going to deliver you an, a stream of income, right, um, yeah. from a reliable source in the most tax-efficient manner. And so that means that, that just as an example in your mind's eye, let me just paint this picture for you. Let's suppose inside your investment account you have maybe 15 different positions, well, maybe four or five of those positions are, are designed for current income today where they're not really being affected by the market pullback. They might be up 1% or 2% or down 2 or 3% or something in those, in those areas. Those are, the, those are the line items in your investment account that you are going to need to drive income from. Then the rest of the account, the other you know, 10 or 15 or you know, 10 or 12, whatever it is, line items of investments inside your account need to be invested for mid-range and long-range view to outpace taxes, inflation, and fees down the road because that's the net dollar you and your husband get to pull out. So the portfolio construction of this needs to be very important. And I, 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 I would say that, that that's how you need to go, go into this, taking a look at it. Now, do you need to withdraw any income from this at all right now? So fine a year ago, and then when prices started going up, we needed to start drawing. And we're only getting a thousand dollars a month out of it. Yes, yeah, so and you're not you're not really tapping not the account that hard, which is good news. But there are income, you know, there's special mutual funds and 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 and, and stocks that are designed for income. And there's a couple of different ways to approach that. You know, one way is to is to take a sleeve of your investment portfolio and put them into dividend-paying stocks um, that have very good track records, and you can just live off of the interest there without selling mm -hmm. any shares of ownership. That way, over time, your wealth will continue to grow because those shares should go up over, over time. So, you know, if you want, we'll be happy to take a look and, and send you some information on all of this uh, and, and, and sort of okay. give you a, a, some education and breakdown. Uh, if you want, I'll, I'll put you on hold, Debbie, and we'll have Bob give you a ring, uh, or Bob will pick up and get your information, and then we'll have uh, one of our advisors give you a call next week and, and do an analysis on it all for you and show you some ideas, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Yep, absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. Let me put you on hold here. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Remember, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. And follow us on Facebook as well as sign up for our newsletter. We send out a monthly, you know, educational piece and then a weekly market update commentary. Uh, we get a lot of good feedback on that. And getting back to 
to this this scenario here of of uh, all these questions that we've been getting this week. You know, um, is it better to stay in or, or get out? And to Chris's point here, Chris asked the question, well, you know, at some point, do you wave the white flag and just get out and cut your losses? Well, you know, it depends on where you're at, Chris. If you're if you're going to, um, you know, first of all, if you take a look at, at that same time frame from 2001 to through 2020, if if the S and P did the seven and a half percent there just by staying fully invested, and during that period of time, if you missed the best 10 days, during that 20 year period of time, your rate of return went from seven and a half down to 3.35 percent. It was. That is a substantial opportunity cost lost. It yeah. is huge. That's exactly right. And so that goes to your question, and it goes to the portfolio design, and it goes to the timing on when you need to produce income to supplement whatever it is that you need, college, retirement planning, whatever the case may be. I guess it's your baseline risk factor too, right? If you're really concerned about certain things, you you got to go to a point where you're somewhat comfortable but still making money and then stay there. Is that kind of... So, you know, you do take a look at your risk factor, obviously. But the question, the question needs to be phrased like this. The closer you are in time, to, or the statement rather, the closer you are in time to needing your money, the more conservative those dollars need to be positioned. Makes sense. Case in point here with our last caller. They're 60, 65 years old. They need to make sure that part of their portfolio is in a position today to deliver income and that's going to be stable for them. But at the same time, they need to have a piece of their portfolio that's going to continue to grow for when they're 75, 85, and 95, mm-hmm. right? And then when you go back and you look at all these statistics on, well, when the markets pull back, yes, it's it's very academic, if you will, to say, well, I'm going to get out at the high and then rebuy at the low. But why, 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 when the S&P does – does 7.5% over that 20-year span of time we're looking at, the average investor, why does he or she do 2.9? And the reason why is you can't time this thing. Yes, you can get a little bit more defensive and then get offensive back and in and out, but the question that goes directly to the heart of what you're talking about, Chris, is cashing out, is moving to the sideline. When do you get back in again? Because the idea is you cash out you know, at a certain point, and then you get back in when it's worse. Oh, yeah. yeah right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're going against the very emotion that caused you to cash out to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know? And it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen a lot of times. And that's part of the big issue there. That's why it's important to make sure that the portfolio is designed correctly to take these, you know, uh, kind of Mike Tyson punches, if you will. But there is a time, time when time. you there is a time when you're going to rebalance things a little bit based on a longer period of time, right? Just not out of emotion. Absolutely. You'll rebalance either strategically or tactically. You know, when you see opportunity, tactical rebalance, you would shift things around. Uh, strategic is when things just, you know, or, you know uh, when, when things just sort of get out of balance to your risk profile, then you want to go ahead and hit the rebalance button from time to time. But, you know, there, and, and that's a whole other thing, too. There's all kinds of studies out there on how what's the best frequency to rebalance quarterly, weekly, semi-annually, annually, every two years. And it turns out the longer you wait to rebalance, the more profitable it is. Rebalancing is a double-edged sword. If you've got 10 positions in your portfolio, let's suppose position number 
and, and they're all designed at 10% each, just to do math easy, and position number one, two, and three all grow to 13% of your portfolio, and the other positions shrink, right? Now you're going to sell off those good positions and put them in a place that's not doing so well. So how long does that scenario last right there? And when, you know, how long are the three positions doing well going to continue to run versus the other ones not before they catch up? Plus, if it's a non-IRA account, what about the tax impact with all this? So there's a lot involved with rebalancing back to your risk tolerance, your income needs, your growth profile, and different things like that. So another question that we got this, this week is, is it a good time to invest? With the market being so crazy and volatile and the issues going on in Eastern Europe, you know, is, is it a good time to invest? And let me put this question back to the, to, to the person that asked it. You know, <clears throat> did you like the stock market in 2021 when it was really high? And the answer is yes, right? Well, then why would you not like it now when you get to buy more shares? So if you're looking to introduce new money, now is a very good time if you have the right long-term perspective on it. You know, But for a new investor, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? What do you mean it's counterintuitive for a new investor? Well, you mean when things go down, you're like, oh, my goodness, I need to get out, get out, get out. But the reality is when things go down, that's the time you need to buy. That's the So like I'm saying, it's counterintuitive to emotions. Is that's something. exactly correct. That is yeah. exactly correct. If you picture a roller coaster going up and down and up and down on, on the ride, right, more money comes into the market when the roller coaster is near the top. Mm -hmm. When the markets are near the top, more money comes in, and more money flies out when the market's near the bottom. And we see that year all the time. All every time there's pullbacks, you know. And remember, you know, I pulled up an article today from February third, two thousand and eighteen, four years ago. Wow. Dow suffers biggest weekly decline in more than two years. That means it happened again in two thousand and sixteen. Mm -hmm. These things happen periodically. That's the point. These things happen periodically. That's why your portfolio design is 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 crucial in this case. When you take a look at, hey, if you're, in, if you're in retirement years and you're needing income, there's a couple sleeves in your account that you're pulling money out that's not that volatile. The rest of it's designed for mid- and long-term growth to keep pace with inflation and taxes down the road. So, yes, now is a good time to invest depending on what your objectives are. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make an investment today in February of 2022 and you're looking to pull that money out in June of 2022 no. to go buy a new no. car or something like that, that's not a wise decision. No. But if you're looking to invest money today at these prices and you're looking further down the road, more of a longer range position, then this is an absolute great opportunity to buy. You've got to be patient and let these, these issues work their way out. They will work their way out. This will not continue forever in Europe, and inflation will not continue forever in the States. That's it's one of just, my favorite Larryisms is just time in the market. That's what you always say. It's that's correct, Chris. Yeah. It's absolutely time in the market. That's for sure. And another question that we got today uh, is, is how do we know where the bottom is? Mm. Well, the answer is very scientific, very specific. We don't. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we don't. And so this was a great question that I got earlier this week from someone I was talking to. You know, how do I know when when to get in? When do I get the bottom? And the answer is is kind of it's it's kind of a, a an answer you want to say in your rearview mirror. You'll know. For example, let's suppose the 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 stock. You take a look at the stock market in in uh, uh, December of 2021. It was higher. I, I forget where it was. Let's say the Dow was at 36,000, okay? Today it's at 33,000. 
So you go ahead and you make a buy today, and then you look at, you, you you hold on to your investments, and in 2023, 2024, 2025, whatever it may be, you look back and you go, wow, on February you know 25th, 2022, I made a buy. I didn't get the exact bottom day, but I got along that bottom trough of the buying opportunity because you can't time it to the exact bottom day. There will be a bottom day once everything turns back around and we can look and go, oh, well, it was that specific date and time, right? But you go back and you and you say, hey, I started putting money in during this market pullback and I got some fantastic buys on the long range of things. That's the way that you, 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 you go about doing this. So you, nobody knows where the bottom is. People are starting to call for the bottom. People are starting to say, yeah, we're close. We're bumping along the bottom. You know, with, with this, that, and the other, we see resistance. Uh, and then you're also hearing other things, too. You know, I, w- I was listening to some, some more stuff this morning before we came in the studio today, well, you know, talking about, well, if this, this, and this happens over in Europe, you know, we're not at the bottom, right? So it's choppy times, right? It, it, it definitely is. And that's where we can't make some emotional decisions with all of this. It's all about the timing of things as far as that goes. So, yeah, see, we got to take a quick break here. We're going to come back with more of your phone calls, more of your questions that we got this week. Love the questions absolutely coming in. Give us a ring this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense, and I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a call. So, Larry, we need to kind of take just a second while I restart something that didn't uh, didn't work, so we didn't get to hear the music. So, uh, if... Uh, if you can come back here for just a second and talk while we start this back up, that would be good. Again, if you'd like to dial in, you want me to come back and talk? I could talk, Chris. Eight five five. Tend to use up all my words on Saturday morning, you know, for the for the allotment, right? <laughs> there you go. Hey, you know, you know what? I was going to start the next segment with 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 this, and you know, let's keep things in priority here too. You know, we've got a lot of stress going on. With, with everything that's happening around the globe and with the markets and things like that, right? And so, you know, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord says, you know, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, right? And so what is the role of money in our lives? We need to be good stewards with it. God owns it all. Let's sit back and make sure that we're putting our dollars where it's best to be from a good steward perspective as well. And then you take a look at, at, at you know, some of the uh, well, lack of humbleness, I should say, that money could cause sometimes, right? In 1 Timothy 6.17, it says, Command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope uh, in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. You know, let's let's praise the giver, not the gift, right? Uh, we ready, Chris? So let's uh, do the phones again, or want me to just keep rolling? Keep rolling for just a second. Actually, I think, uh, yeah, we're ready to take a break. <laughs> buttons and buttons this morning. No, yeah, we're good. We're back in business now. So. It's got something to do with that new update anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Give yeah. us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. It's Open Mic Saturday. Give us a call, Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. 
That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. sound financial advice you can depend on you found the larry rosenthal show call now with your questions 855-767-3123 or stop by larryrosenthal.com this is the larry rosenthal show welcome back to the larry rosenthal show 855-767-3123 855-ROSE123 if you'd like to dial in and talk to larry we've got some lines available for you we'd love to hear from you here this morning larry Another question we got this week in light of some of the volatility is, is it better to be in stocks? Is it better to be in mutual funds? Is it better to be in ETFs? What's, what's the best thing to be in right now? And it's really not the product that will give you the type of return you're looking at. It's the asset class that will give you the type of return. So, so you can invest in, in you know, small company stocks, in ETFs, in stocks, and in mutual funds. You can invest in international large growth in small in, in ETFs, mutual funds, and stocks as well. So it depends on your picking. So each each product, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever it may be, plus many, many more out there, they they bring what's to the table what's called product diversification. There's pros and cons to each one of these. There's there's pros and cons to individual stocks, to mutual funds, to ETFs, and then you can dissect those different products. You know, you've got mutual funds that are passively managed, and you've got mutual funds that are actively managed, right? You've got you've got ETFs that that are called smart beta funds that have some act a little bit of active flair to them versus indexing. So it's really not a matter of what's better to be in stocks, mutual funds, ETFs. You know, I, I know people that, that just like one or the other. Uh, I know people that like all of them. Personally, I like all of them because I see pros and cons, advantages and disadvantages to each one of those types of product mixes. I like the ones that make me money. That's the ones I like. I know you do, Chris, because it's about you. That's okay. <laughs> it is all about me. Well, it's no not, worries. Actually, it's actually, fine, 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 fine. Uh, but, you know, and that, that goes to your asset class. You know, 92% of your portfolio's long-term rate of return is made up of your asset class selection not necessarily the product, right? Another question that we got this week as well, which is, um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just going on all these questions, but, but you know, I love the questions because I think it just, it, it, you know, it's what people are thinking about out there. And, and um, you know, what if I wanted to start putting money into accounts now 
uh, was one question with the market being low the way it is and I'm already retired. Kind of an interesting scenario there because obviously if you're you know 40 years old and you have money uh, that you can invest now at, at, at this buying opportunity, put it in, right? Make sure it aligns with your objectives and things like that. But at the same time, what if you're already retired? Is now a good time to introduce new money? And how should I introduce that new money is the question. Should I just put it in in a lump sum? Or should I piecemeal it in something called dollar cost averaging? Which is, you know, dollar cost averaging is you put the same amount of money into the same investment each interval, whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever it is, over a period of time. That way, during that period of time, you'll end up with the average price of that investment. It won't insure you a gain or a loss, right, but it'll give you the average price going forward from that. And so in, in times like this, some people say, well, you know what, I'm nervous. I, you know, Maybe I'll dollar cost average in over, over the next several months. I'll just introduce new money a little bit at a time every few weeks or things like that. And other people say, you know what, I, I, I know that I'm not going to time the market and get the absolute rock-bottom day of a buy unless you're very lucky. I'm just going to dump it in now and let it go. So it goes to your um, time frame uh, on it and when, as far as when you need that money to come back to you. So let's go ahead and welcome Jackie on the line. Good morning, Jackie. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? have a question. My question is, um, we have a home in Alabama. We live in South Carolina. We are current, We have rented that house for the last 30 years. So we're getting ready to sell that house. Um, and we will, uh, we're looking at whatever the gains that we get off of the house, the profits that we made off, off of that house. We're trying to avoid paying a lot of taxes on it, income taxes, because it would be a capital gain. But I was, my question is, can we use the sale, the proceeds from that house to pay off a house that we currently have in South Carolina? Uh, what, which, which would be the better way to do that? Or uh, what should we do? Well, that's more of a CPA question as far as what your tax level is. But if you sell property A and then go pay off property B, that will be a taxable event from property A. It's not a like-kind exchange because you already own property B, Okay. So, you know, it, it really goes to what you, your, you and your family's objectives are with these assets. You know, are these okay. rental properties, Jackie? I'm sorry, what did you say? Are these rental properties? It, it's a rental home, yes. It's a rental home, yes. Yeah, so some of the best rental homes out there are ones that are paid for. You know, think about this. Oh. If, you, if you've got property A that you're selling and you can harvest money out of it. And property B, let's say, has a mortgage payment, just to do math easy, of two grand a month, but you're renting it out at 2500 a month. Now if you pay off property B, now you've got free cash flow of 2500 a month versus 500 a month, right? Mm, and and right. The, the design, the primary objective of real estate is to deliver income. So in retirement years, if you can arrange it so that, you know, I, I, I've seen this many, many times. I've seen people have multiple, multiple rental properties throughout their life, okay? And they're running around. They're balancing the whole thing. They're doing all this kind of stuff. And the wise people with this start selling them off as they get closer to time, I mean to retirement for this purpose. Let's suppose you have 10 rentals, okay? And, and they're all leveraged, but you have enough equity that you can sell off maybe six of them and now have four of them clear standing. Now you're going to get 
income coming out of those at a maximum rate for those four of them versus just a little bit of income with a bigger hassle with 10. You see what I mean? So so that's, that's one way to go about looking at doing this. So I would really take a look at the different properties you have, what your time frame is on these. You know, if, if you're, you know, you're right now we're in a real estate kind of boom market. How long is that going to last, right? Um, okay. Maybe it okay. is a good opportunity to take a, a highly appreciated property right now and pay down some other ones that are leveraged so that you can get some, some free cash flow in your retirement years. You know, because, okay. you know, you get you get a few thousand dollars a month coming in month after month from, from rents, and you don't have to worry about mortgage payments. You just got maintenance, taxes, and insurance on it. So you got a very strong cash okay. flow scenario. Does that make sense? Okay. That makes sense. It makes sense. I just yeah. have to convince my husband of that, but, but that makes sense. Okay. Well, if you like, All I'll right. be happy to send you out our, our, our toolkit, our financial planning toolkit, and that will sort of really help you start really thinking about some of these things and start building some plans. If you like, I'll be happy to do that for you, okay? I, I would love that. I would love that very much. Yep, Jackie, let me put you on hold. Bob will pick up in a second and get your contact information, and we'll send you out our, our, our financial planning toolkit, and that will help you sort of draw a line in the sand and start building out a financial plan. So appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Open mic Saturday. Any questions at all? No holes barred, Chris. Give us a ring with what's on your mind, talking about the stock market, the 401, your retirement plans, Government TSP, insurance, wills, trust, estates, taxes, mortgages, whatever it may be. We're starting to see actually right now um, uh, one of the, uh, a pretty good-sized drop in mortgage refinances over the last couple of weeks as well as a result of rates going up uh, in, in the marketplace. So stay tuned for that as well. Another question that we got during the week here is, you know, should I take my RMD now, my required minimum distribution? Should I take that now with the market being down? Kind of an interesting th scenario. If you need the money to live off of, then obviously you should take it. But if you don't need the money to live off of, remember, you have until December 31st this year to take your RMD uh, for the year. And so the school of thought there is, hey, look, you know, if the markets settle down and start to climb back a little bit, maybe the second half of this year, once things get a little bit more clear direction, maybe the market comes back up. And then you start to take it back out. Because remember, you're taking out your required minimum di distribution based off of your December 31st account balance of the prior year when the markets were higher. And that rolls into our next question, too, that we got, which I just love this idea here. Um, and 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 uh, it's is it a good time now with the markets pulling back to convert our traditional IRA money to a Roth IRA? And the answer is yes. So if if you convert, you know, twenty thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars or whatever it may be, yes, you have to pay the taxes on that. But the tax rate is you're converting at a lower dollar amount versus a higher dollar amount. So when you convert that money over, yeah, you're converting the same dollar, right? Twenty grand or two hundred grand or whatever it may be, you got to pay tax on it, but you're moving it over into the Roth tax-free zone at lower share price. So when the markets start to come back, that money's going to be growing on the tax-free side of your house versus the taxable side of your house. That's the idea behind converting money from traditional IRAs to Roth IRAs while the market is in a pullback mode. 
Um, and so that's that. You know that that was a great question that we got earlier this week, and and um, you know there's there's a and, you know my attitude has always been this. I've talked about this for years, Chris, on, on when I've been on television and then on the radio shows here. I've talked about it for years. I believe that everybody who has an IRA, a traditional IRA, needs to sit down and take a look at a Roth conversion calculation for themselves. Not everybody should convert, but there's a lot of good reasons to convert, and there's a lot of reasons you shouldn't convert. But everybody needs to take a look at the merits of this because, you know, think about it. If you're 65, would it be nice to have tax-free income when you're 75, 85, and 95 mm-hmm. if taxes are going to go up, right? Absolutely. And we're still in an all-time low tax bracket environment right now comparatively speaking to history. So it's a very good time to take a look at it during market pullbacks such as this. So, hey, I see we got to take a quick break here. Let's keep those phone lines rolling in here, Chris. 855-ROSE-123. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in just a moment. Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. sound financial advice you can depend on you found the larry rosenthal show call now with your questions 855-767-3123 or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. this is the larry rosenthal show welcome back to the larry rosenthal show 855-767-3123 855-ROSE-123 to talk to larry rosenthal live here in studio today larry Sure, let's welcome Jackie on the line from Pennsylvania. Good morning, Jackie. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you today? Okay, so I have a property in Pennsylvania. The real estate market is very hot here like it is everywhere else. Uh, It is not paid off. I also carry some debt. So my question to you is, um, with the market being so hot, would you recommend pay, uh, selling the property, paying debt off, or renting the property out and holding it because over time real estate is a great investment? Well, how much equity is inside the home? Probably about 100000 And how much debt do you have that you want to retire? Uh, 
probably about 60. So what is the purpose of this property? You're not living in it, right? Is it a rental property? So I am living in it, but I don't have to live in it. So um, I have other options. Okay. Um, so, so if I rented the property out, I would make enough to cover the mortgage and a lot of the debt. However, I'm looking at the market and as hot as it is and could potentially pay off all debt and just start over and, you know, whatever's left, invest in the market right now. Jackie, what's the debt service each month on the debt that you have? How much does it cost what do you? What do you mean by the debt you said you have $60,000 of debt. What is the form of debt? Is that credit cards? Is it medical bills? What, what uh, is the form of it? No, it's a, it's a home equity loan and a, uh, a car, and um, that's, that's really it. That's the bulk of it. So here's, here's kind of my non-answer for you because I need a little bit more information, but I'll take you down the road of thought. How's that sound? So, Perfect. Um, <clears throat> We have to go back and, and address the questions as to why were there home equity loans to begin with? Um, when's the next time you're going to need to buy a car also? Because ultimately what we have to do is make sure that when you get down the road to retirement, and, and are you retired now, by the way? No, I am not. Okay, so we need to make sure that when you get down the road to retirement that your income uh, is going to be large enough to support your standard of living. And so we want to sure. try to reduce as much debt as possible. And sometimes when I hear people say, well, I've got a home equity loan, sometimes it's, it's wise to use the home equity loan. Sometimes they're using it because they've overspent in certain areas and they need to catch up, but now they've got this debt there. So I would really want to take, mm -hmm. sit down and take a look at your current cash flow needs today and then make a projection of what it looks like down the road in your retirement years before I tell you, yes, take a home equity loan out, pay off the other one, or sell the property, or rent the property, or whatever it is. Because, you know, if you can pay this property off and over time and keep it as a rental, you already said you'd be in a positive cash flow if you rented it out today. It sounds like it's a good rental opportunity. That can give you some nice pensionable type income in your retirement years. So those are kind of all the things that I want to sort of sit down and analyze with you and take a good, strong look at it. But I am a big fan of, of having debt reduction in place once, you move, once you've moved into the retirement years. So I, I would, yeah. I would uh, want to make sure that everything's as, as crisp and clean and wrapped up in a nice bow for your income needs to your expenses in retirement. I'll go ahead and put you on hold here. And we'll have one of our advisors reach out to you next week and start the discussion for you on making sure your cash flow is ready for retirement. And then we'll be able to, once we get some more information from you, we'll be able to really address the specifics on what to do with this property. Because it seems like to me there's, there's a handful of things we need, to, we need to talk about and then a handful of different ways that we can go about doing it. And there's just no way I can do that here on the air. Does that make sense? So that's perfect. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Jackie, let me put you on hold, and Bob will get your information. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and dial us up. We've got a few minutes left in the show this morning, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Remember, go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, you know, again, we send out a, a monthly market I'm sorry, a monthly educational piece and a weekly market commentary. 
Uh, if you go there and sign up for our newsletter, you'll be on our, our email list. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, as we start doing more and more of these weekly market updates, we did, we did a couple of them yesterday, uh, really just as sort of a trial scenario there. And uh, we had people from all over the country on there. So, so stay tuned. We'll be doing more of these live. We'll do a couple of Zooms, and, you know, each time we go do it. And uh, we just want to bring to you what's going on in the markets and things. So listen, so for Bob in the back answering the phones, great. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now, Channel 525.